Stupid Hearts Club is yours to enjoy for free wherever you get your podcasts. But if you've fallen deeply in love with the show, or me, even though that's a bit weird because we've never met, then you might want to consider supporting the show via patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club for about five or a month you can indulge in your sick little fantasy that i am your very own little audio husband friend without ever having to deal with the fact that in real life i leave socks and half drunk glasses of water everywhere either way i'm very happy you're here so please enjoy the show Big Val's here tonight, we'll talk dynamite, thanks for listening, it's good to be together, stupid high club forever. Let's look inside our minds. Welcome to Stupid Hearts Club with me, Nico Tatarovich, on my own. This is a solo one and a very chilled one. Enjoy. Okay, so hello, hello, hello. It's become one of my catchphrases, that, isn't it? Hello, hello, hello. Which is a little bit sinister. And also always makes me think of two things. One, Matthew McCogney, or whatever he's called, going, all right, all right, all right. But more specifically, I worked with um, comedian Jordan Gray last year, who was extremely funny and very good at voices. And she did Matthew McCogney in a thing, or McCogney, whatever the name is, and the all right, all right, all right was of extremely high quality. Oh, I must get Jordan on the show. Very, very, very funny comedian. Anyway, um, a few weeks ago, I did an episode called Bed and Empathy. Where I thought it might be a nice idea to get into a certain mood by lying in bed reflecting on things that I felt like I wanted to say in a very relaxed way that might bring a certain vibe to the pod there's a little um, what do you call it a bit of foreshadowing I've just done a tight chest sort of exhale that's because I have physically got a little bit of anxiety symptom stuff happening with my chest. I'll come back to it later and explain it. But basically, when I, when when it's happening, which tends to be for a few days, I'm constantly like slightly fighting to get my in-breaths in. And I feel like I've got like a tennis ball under my ribs. And now and again I have to go... <sighs> It's a very odd feeling, but I know what it is and I know that it doesn't last, so I don't get as freaked out by it anymore. I'll come back to that because there's a nice story around that to round things up. So for now, you're just going to have to accept that during this conversation, that it's just, well, not a conversation, conversation I'm having with myself, hoping someone else gets something out of it, that by the end of it, You'll be going, oh, yeah, look, he he did seven or however many tennis ball chest tension exhales. And now he's ended by talking about it and it it brings things to a, a head in a very nice way. So something to look forward to. Before that, there was a reason why I wanted to do another one of these intimate, reflective episodes because there was something specific I was thinking about. So the last time I did one, oh yeah, by the way, Bed and Empathy was just a name off the top of my head. Since I came up with that, we've obviously started the 
bonus offshoot Stupid Hearts Club mega episodes of both The Buskin Chronicles and Tea and Empathy. So I'm not going to call this Bed and Empathy anymore. I'm just going to call it Bedtime with Mom. <laughs> Bedtime with Captain Seaside. Um, Buskin Chronicles and Tea and Empathy are proving to be wonderful ideas. I, for your information, am recording an episode of Tea and Empathy on Thursday with a an artist, illustrator and artist, a fellow northerner who is going to tell us all about the journey from being a working class ragamuffin to a right poncy git who does screen printing. Can't wait to talk to him. Okay. And I've got other, loads of other guests for the Buskin Chronicles lined up. And that is turning out to be quite the project. Just for your information, this weekend I went down to Bude in Cornwall where I spent time with one of our dear patrons who I'll talk about more when I'm going to do an episode about that project. But we did a couple of songs that I sent to him ages ago and we finally got round to collaborating. And although the work we're doing has not finished yet, I have come away from it buoyed and very, very happy that it feels like it is worth recording some original music because it's joyous getting an idea and feeling it get polished up and make sense and sound good. So, and you get to go on, on a road trip, visit someone and meet another person. So that's that's the idea behind the Buskin Chronicles. So anyway, I'll leave that aside for now. For here we are in relaxed, sp splayed out mode with a... Soft chenille rug over my underpanted body. <laughs> oh, what is he saying? He can't be saying this. I've actually moved from... I'm not in my bed. I wanted to be in bed to do this. But every now and again, I'm reminded that the walls of the uh, building are bit There's a chest... His chest here comes a chest press. Uh, <sighs> every now and again, I'm reminded that this is not a quality building because the, there is a voice of a neighbour who's not even talking loudly or doing anything wrong, but just muttering in such a way that I can hear him. Uh, usually don't hear him. It's not that bad living here at all for noise. But when it's there, it's impossible. I couldn't read or talk to you guys because it's literally as if someone's hiding in the drawers in my room and, and muttering. No, because Did you know that? Because um, ah, that was it's like that. No one wants that, and yet the person is not doing a single thing wrong. And um, what's interesting is. Little things like that, the niggly, annoying little things happen all the time. And I am quite stressy. I put, I, I will lean into ADHD or complex fucking PTSD or whatever I've got. The, the naughty bit of my head can be quite reactive and short-tempered to annoying things. And I have outbursts of being pissed off or uncomfortable or bugged by... I don't know, a dog barking, bright lights, loud noises, ill-fitting clothes, something that feels uncomfortable or tight, polyester, <laughs> you name it. And I'm going to get bloody instantly pissed off about it and be apoplectic with rage for approximately half a second. It's just like, ah, And then I'm like, already realise it's ridiculous, and I uh, calm down a bit. But anyway, so the last time I did one of these, the reflective observation that I made was about an interesting feeling 
of preparedness that had kicked in as the summer wound down, making way for um, like an autumnal sense of the return of routine, the turning off of, um, if you like, self-indulgent, long nights doing nothing, drinking, just sitting on a beach staring at the waves. All of stuff that I, in its own way, in the right measure... Here we go again. <sighs> All the things in the right measure are strangely healthy. You know, you know. I mean, not like healthy, healthy, because booze isn't healthy, but being connected to your social self is healthy. Anyway, since then, I have genuinely... I mean, I can't tell you how, how much Podworld, SHC, you know, Podworld has been revolutionised by the arrival of Ollie, my production support, um, North Star. I also have production support from a very lovely man called, I nearly said, Drew Barrymore. I'm not going to tell you what his real name is, because that's better. So, Drew Barrymore, thanks for all your help, dude. And, uh... Not an easy time you've had growing up in the shadow of your big brother Elliot and his weird alien pet friend, extra extraterrestrial, to give him his full name. What am I saying now? Here we go again. Oof. Three tennis balls already. Okay, so this time, since I got the um, the productivity diarised higher work rate, organised bug. It's massively improved my life. And so I can thank Ollie for that because he's sort of kicked my ass into shape. But what's interesting is, because part of what's been happening is I now have the will to go off and do these bits and pieces for the pod, which involves being a bit more mobile and taking, um, mo you know, what do you call it, portable gear with me and means I'm open to someone saying oh I want to do a pod come and see me I'm like yeah I will I'll fucking I will travel to somewhere get the content I need oh content that's a fucking twat of a word but you know what I mean I'm like yeah I'm on a mission this is like my little roving reporter job now and I love it so I'm very very happy still living in the seaside um the Bohemian seaside chill haven of Hove. But I have to say that even though I love being here, at the moment I am thoroughly enjoying splitting my time a bit more between other places and getting a, a vibe or an energy. I'm not drunk. <sighs> Tennis ball number four. A vibe from just being in a place for a happy reason, enjoying being away and then, you know, doing whatever I'm doing and then coming back and being like, I cannot believe I live here. I love it so much. But it's interesting. I've actually spent quite a bit of time lately. Not so long ago, I was in, London, uh, in Manchester for a few days. I've already got my next trip to Manchester booked in mid-November. But also, I've got friends in leafy West London in the highly classy area of Chiswick, where I occasionally go and stay, look after a nice apartment and some cats, and I focus all my kind of London friendships and meetings. Oh, I said London then, didn't I? I said London. What am I? Who am I? Anyway, so what I wanted to talk about, because I've been going here, there and everywhere, including uh, down to Cornwall. The other week I was in where was I? I was in Bruton in Somerset in order to then go out for the evening to Exeter to see the wonderful Bridget Christie, who I would like to think I can call a friend now and who me and my friend uh, are huge comedy fans of. So we went to see Bridget. And so I've, I've basically been buzzing about. And, and as long-term listeners will know, 
because I spent a long time, as we all did, locked down, but feeling a bit housebound or a bit, round, you know, local bound, especially when I was living in an area that had very little sort of going on. I've moved down here. There's loads going on here. I wouldn't, I would never have to leave really. But what it did is it, it reignited in me the idea that you know you just got to do stuff, make the fucking effort, go and do stuff, see different friends, go and go and record a song with someone, go 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 and go to a comedy gig with someone, but somewhere else. You know, make the effort. Have Stay the night, then they make your Sunday lunch, big cuddle, back in the car, off we go. All things that I've done recently, and it is, as they say, giving me life. It's giving me life, right? Life on the road. And I think that, combined with the growing love of the idea of travelling to get podcasts, especially music podcasts, I think it's genuinely pushing me even more firmly in the direction where I need to find a way in in the next sort of year or so of seeing if I can make some form of van man, caravan, travelling bed on wheels. Not just like a hospital bed. (laughs) That wasn't a chest um, tennis ball, that was a whistle. That was a chest weasel. A chest whistle? <laughs> Although it's now making a tennis ball happen. Hang on. <sighs> Fucking hell. Very strange feeling. Like a pair of socks is rolled up under my solar plexus. Very, very odd. Anyone out there that thinks they know what that is, let me know. But I'll tell you now, I've already been at the doctors over the years and it's always they put it down to anxiety. Anyway... Just keeping that that theme hot. So as I've said, I'm not actually feeling sort of bite your nails anxious about anything at the moment. In fact, because I've changed my attitude to a lot of things in a way that that is about uh, raising my idea of value of my own time and what I can be bothered with and what I should be doing, I have in fact somehow started to really reach a a level of, if you like, confidence and bravery in trying to kick on and ask ask for stuff. Ask people to be to to come to my music night and to perform at my music night and to do a podcast and to and whatever. And then slight slight overshare but a little bit of um a work sort of situation that I've got with some bread and butter work going on, I uh, find this very difficult to do, but I asked someone that I do a bit of work for to consider making it a bit more formal and to pay me at the beginning of the month to help me out with, you know, the rhythm of money. And who, what would you bloody know, they went and agreed and it sounds strange to people who maybe are used to getting a wage and negotiating and occasionally saying, I need to improve my contract or, you know, whatever. Like, people do that at work all the time. But lots of people, lots and lots and lots of people, including myself, are not geared towards demand making demands. And yet, I'm feeling lately that the feeling I'm getting from treating my time more seriously, like it's it has value, and that what I can bring to people has value, that has kicked in to just a sort of deeper understanding that you've just got to fucking you've got to fight for yourself, and that there's nothing wrong with that, and. That is almost the opposite of what my personality has been throughout my life. Even though I've always been the gobshite and the show-off and, like, cracking jokes and getting on with people and cheeky enough to get in a room and try and make stuff happen. I've been quite sort of ambitious at some point before, but it's not the same as really having your own back 
and valuing yourself for the right reasons and being able to do that outwardly. So this is the point in the conversation at which I sort of blush a little bit and I go, I know that this episode is me talking about myself, which I'm famous for, but I've got to make clear that I'm doing it because I get the feedback from people saying they like hearing a person not doesn't matter that it's me, nothing about my life is more important than anyone else. But hearing someone figure their way through a thing seems to be something that in in these times of uh, intimate audio, podcasty relationships with people we like listening to, I certainly know I find it valuable with with a few of the pods I listen to. It's fucking great hearing people admit that, you know, the bits and pieces that they have to, like, wrestle with or figure out or whatever, right? So, not in an angsty way, but, yeah, I've been wrestling with that stuff lately, but winning the wrestling. And, again, long-time listeners will know, that is not a side of me I thought would be... I wouldn't think it's an outfit I would, that was hung up ready for me to wear anytime soon after the bullshit I went through in the last few years with serious mental health issues, self-esteem issues, dwindling career, you know, worrying financial issues, all the rest of it. Not, It's not all fixed, but it's like, it's just a fucking lesson to me that the lesson is the first thing or the, or the most important thing to fix when things aren't right is your vibe and your attitude towards what you're going to do about it. In other words, how can you take responsibility for the problem? Now, it's really easy to say it while you're not in the fucking shit because it's obviously confusing and overwhelming and shite and stressful when you are in the shit. But it's really, really hard to hear when you're feeling sorry for yourself that you're going to have to get through that bit and get to the bit where you are basically the Batman or Batgirl or Bat them, Bat them of your own life. There's no other option, really, that, that involves you owning your own fucking life. So it's a fucking pain in the arse. And obviously it's good to get help along the way and... But even that, getting help, doesn't mean I'm, like, I'm not capable of fixing this. Someone else needs to help me. No, you saying you need help is you being the back person of your own life. You going, I can't go any further like this. I need some support and some breathing space and maybe some understanding from even people like uh, who you pay your bills to and fucking the Inland Revenue and whoever you pay loans to and people you work for and family and anyone. Like, when it gets to the point where you need... Things need to just fucking stop being like they are, that isn't you pussying out and, like, taking the mick. It's you saying, I am taking responsibility for this thing, but there's going to be a sort of what's the word, a sort of uh, a no-man's-land period where you need to be given the grace to be sorting yourself out so that you can then be strong and show everyone that you're cracking on and it's all back on track. All I can say is, without tempting fate, because things are starting to go fairly well for a change, in, a, in, in fact, in a way that I can barely believe, not because anything amazing is happening, but just because... Dreadful things aren't happening and quite good things are happening and I'd forgotten that that could happen. And it is happening and it's happening because I incrementally went through recovering, figuring out my mindset and going forward, right? So that that is a bit like... I think I mentioned some of that stuff in the, the episode called Bed and Empathy. But this time, the thing, like I said, the thing giving me life that is helping me keep this kind of sparkle is this feeling that as much as I love where I am now 
there's something to be said for buggering off and doing something else, even though I sort of would like to just be here on every weekend all the time. And part of the reason for that is that it is gorgeous coming back. But also, it keeps me on my toes and means that I'm open to other things and you never know what a little visit somewhere or a little slightly different point of view will provoke in you creatively, mentally, socially, whatever, right? And plus, it's just like people are important. I think I think that the most important thing is people that you you like spending time with and that, that mean that you get good energy off, off them. It is worth driving hours to see someone that you really get on with but that you haven't made the effort with for a while and you're like, I fucking love their company. Do you know what? I'm going to come and fucking see you. Like, we should be doing that if you can afford the travel. There's one. We should be doing that. Not every weekend is fucking exhausting, isn't it? But it just feels like something that should be happening and at least once or twice a month we go off, off on a jolly. And then, anyway, so I go off on all these jollies for different reasons. And I start realising that, like, who you feel like and how you think and how it actually physically feels to be in a place that's got its own energy feels so different in every place that it was something that was in my mind that I wanted to... I've not figured anything out to say about it, but I just want to explore the idea. And um, and it came from... Because because I, I, you know, I've got these friends who... I think I've stayed like five or six times for approximately four days to a week in this nice house in Chiswick. I've now done that enough times. Yeah, that little noise then. <laughs> I'm going to have a little sip of water. I have been there several times now. It's not where I live. It's not the sort of area that I would probably end up in. And yet when I'm there, I just think, God, it's kind of got a lovely feel around here. The people around here are lucky to live around here. And I love being here amongst them and their vibe. But I don't think... It would be, like, in, in terms of areas of London, it wouldn't necessarily be, if someone said you can be anywhere, I might not stick the pin there. But I love the fact that now, every few weeks or months, I go back to this one place. It's almost like having a a, a holiday chalet or something, and it's got two cats in it who are my friends. But anyway, yeah, um... What happened the last time I was there is that the offer was there to be there for two weeks with them coming home in the middle. And I thought, that's a bit much. But then suddenly I had a bunch of things that needed to be done in London and just a few days in between. And then another thing, I had to get a singing gig again in the, the pub in Chiswick, the Tabard, the Tabard pub, which is a, a good sort of comedy and theatre pub and also does like lots of music and acoustic stuff. So I just thought, fuck it, you know, I actually want to be at home, but I'll ride it out, I'll stay in Chiswick. And it was interesting because it was like, I got into a like a whole new level of the feeling creeping into you of that area. Like if you just go and stay a, a night or two at someone's house, visit on the weekend, you don't really absorb it. But a little bit like holidays, I don't, think many people go on two-week holidays anymore but back in the day when it was like the classic fortnight in Torremolinos years there was definitely something different about the second week like a change of gear you can't quite put your finger on and I, I, I achieved that status in Chiswick last week and although I was looking forward to going home and when that ended I just felt more... I felt really fucking connected to it. And the familiarity... If you can... If you can... Anyone anyone out there wants to find a way of just judging their life up a bit, consider this. Is there anyone in your life who lives somewhere that you don't live that you wouldn't mind being in? And do you live somewhere that someone else wouldn't mind being in? And could you occasionally say, do you fancy 
swapping gaffs every now and again for a few days so that they get to go and plod around where you are and vice versa. And that sounds a bit weird because if, if it's a friend you want to see him, but, you know, there's plenty of time for all that. And you can do it with, you can also do it with people maybe that you have a different relationship with. It's like Susie and Tom are like very good mates of mine. But the, 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 the rhythm we've fallen into isn't born out of us hanging out all the time and now I just look after their house and never see them. It's actually just like a little bit more of a removed thing than that. And I've also got lovely friends in another part of uh, South London, Wimbledon, my friends Gav and Sarah, who also are very welcoming with their home space if I ever need to like come and jib into London and stay there and hang out with them a bit and it's a really lovely thing for people to be like hey you know you can be here whenever you want and now and again you can look in the diary and go do you know what maybe it's time for one of those little jaunts and I think it's good for you not just to be stuck in your own gaff even if you love your gaff I think, I don't know, just, it's just a feeling I'm getting. But the specific thing that, that has interested me is when I was in Chiswick, when I was in Chiswick for two weeks, it's like a bit of me forgot what it's like to be in Hove in the same way that you cannot conceive of the winter on a summer's day. It's just like a horrifying nightmare that sort of lives through a weird mirror that you, you can never pass through because you you can only ever be where you are. But there is something very, very specific and magical that I find to be in any place that you feel the unique flavour, the unique frequency of that place, uh, which when I think about it, as I've got further and further away from the time when I was living in a very remote, small village, it, it just makes more and more sense of how my, my brain struggled with it. it like, I tr when I lived there and I knew I was finding it tough and a bit limited and physically, literally pitch black in the winter, like... Being in being somewhere rural, there's obviously just less streetlights, so it's literally a darker place. Like, it just fucked my mind. But I would be... I would spend time being hard on myself about that. Like, oh, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's just winter. You're, you're, you're just in a house. You're in a place. So what? You can get in your car. You could go somewhere else. You could spend more time in London in the day and then come home. Like, fucking hell. Stop being such a sensitive fucking tit. But, you know, my observation further on is, yeah, I am a fucking sensitive tit and I don't care. There's nothing I can do about it except make sure that you, if you like, it's like eating healthily. You, you place yourself healthily in enough places that make you feel different types of good so that you're not ever stuck in a sort of miserable, slightly annoyed, grumpy, underwhelmed existence of being somewhere that you don't like. Now, look, not everyone gets to choose to be in their ideal location, work, home or otherwise. But I would say that lots of us do have some form of uh, freedom and access to change it up a bit. So if you're living somewhere and you're like, it's shit here. I'm only fucking here because of this stupid job or because at the moment our kids are at school and this works and there's not really any particular way that can change. That's all right. You can tell yourself that there will come a time where that can change, but until that time, you can have a sort of contingency plan for increasing the variety and the travel, like where where makes you feel good? What is it you need? A little bit of seaside, the odd trip up, up the uh, up the bloody hills, up the bloody mountains. And I don't think these things necessarily have to be very expensive either. Easy to say that 
but you've got to remember, I'm fucking, I've been skint. You know, I'm not, I'm not coining it in, bolting around, staying in uh, boutique hotels, telling everyone that it's the only, that Concord's the only way to travel and any of that shit. It's not the case. I've just, uh, I've just decided that moving is good. Moving your body, moving, seeing different things out of the bloody window, having a mooch around, hearing different accents, looking around at the different, slightly indefinable but very clear different gene pool that every place has, where you get different face shapes and body shapes. And even though, like, we're a small country and, like, Brits are Brits, Brits abroad, Brits abroad is, feels like a sort of thing you you can see alongside the huge diversity that we have in this country. I love moving around and clocking a difference in people. Um, some of that is literally regional or by city, but also it can just be like in the type of place. Sit, cool cities and kind of quaint towns, chichi villages versus more rugged villages, slightly crap, forgotten, satellite towns, places that people only ever drive through. They've all got such an unbelievably unique character about them. If you spend a few days there and you look around and keep your eyes open, you start to notice very specific little subgroups. You've got that sort of you know, the onions and the garlic and the fucking, you know, the, the base of the dish is just like normal people. Everyone's sort of, there's a bit of the same thing everywhere, isn't there? But if you start looking around at somewhere that uh, has a very specific, I'll say, for example, uh, where, where my lad lives, St. Albans, which is a very pleasant, quite safe commuter town, with lots of pubs, churches, and a market. It's a pretty fucking nice place to hang out. There's not a lot going on, but it's... You know, you can't really knock it. But there is a certain... Uh, over, uh, over the years, um, the demographics and the reasons that, pe- that people move to places are quite specific. St Albans is an example of somewhere where people move out of London to get started doing family stuff with a kind of reputation for decent schools, um, slightly cheaper than London, and um, it's very kind of not... right. You, you can get away with it from sort of about lower middle class upwards. And there are some expensive bits, but there's a sort of mainstay. And once you walk around the town on a Saturday, you see like certain trenches of our society are there in abundance. So it's very parenty. It's very, uh, I would go as far as to say yoga mummy. You know, it's all um, people dropping the kids off at school or going to baby classes and they call it Nappy Valley in some places, don't they? But it's a bit more specific than that because it's... um, it's not it's not that kind of nose in the air big coffee cup strutty kind of a place like you get like somewhere like Clapham in London which back in the day my my observation for there would have been pashmina in a massive coffee cup like Fulham Road types but in the 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 sort of the noticeable male vibe going on there would be the kind of tweed-wearing, mustard-cord, rugby kind of crowd. But even like within a city, you get very different... I know people know this, but obviously you get very different, you know, real specific kind of like clutches of people. Clutches? You know, you've got like your Dalstons and your, and your East End and your Shoreditches and all that, and you you get like a clichéd character palette mixed in with all the normals and so like when I was in Chiswick Chiswick seems quite established 
London middle class, a lot of people that work in entertainment, film, theatre. It's got a real sort of heritage of... Um, not so much like media in a wanky way, but established. Probably I would imagine there's like a lot of sort of newspaper people and, yeah, film producers and stuff like that. It just has that feel of um, an established class that that goes back years. And, and there's, a, there's a cinema in Chiswick, which is actually quite new. And it's a, a thought of an amazingly... Very witty name for it, which is Chiswick Cinema. And I love being there. It's really charming. And yet it's got this feel about it, which is, oh yeah, this is Chiswick Cinema. For the Chiswick people who know more about cinema than, let's say, those other people just down there. The Hammersmith people. There isn't a sort of Hammersmith Cinema in the same way as there is a Chiswick Cinema. More than certain charge cards I could mention, as Alan Wicker once said on the telly a very, very long time ago. Anyway, so, there I am in Chiswick for two weeks, and it starts to occur to me, fuck, I can't remember what it feels like to be in Hove on the seafront with that incredible coastal, slightly holiday feeling. It sort of left me, and I was a bit worried, but then I was like, it doesn't matter, I'm going back there. And when I go up the river, the Thames, anywhere between Hammersmith Bridge and Kew Bridge, it is just so incredibly relaxing on that stretch of the Thames, as it is on other stretches of the Thames, that I started, to, it's like I started to, one, one thing, one part of my personality started to melt and then River Guy started to kick in. It's like, oh, I'm River Guy. I should be maybe wearing a little red neckerchief and just sort of looking at the river with a pint and making notes of lyrics and poetry and having sort of philosophical thoughts, which is strange. It's a different feeling. If I was sat on a train hammering up, up north or if I'm in Manchester and I'm people watching... So, yeah, the specific vibe I get in different places intrigues me. And one of the main places in my life, even though I'm not there that much, is my hometown, Manchester, which I was born in Rochdale. And then but from, from six months till the age of 25, I've lived in a couple of various bits of Manchester. And, of course, when you were away from somewhere for that long... You don't see all the little bits and pieces and changes. You just sort of go back and there's new stuff all the time. And it, yeah, it's still recognisable, then bits of it become utterly unrecognisable. Chalton is just mind-blowing to me. The Chalton I grew up in, in the pub that my mum ran, is just another universe to the same area now, Beach Road in Chalton. Um, and I love being there. There was a, there was a, there were years where I was just like, I need to get away from everything that's from before. So it's like you're almost like, re like a lot of people, like you reject where you're from and you get away from it because it all feels like I've seen it all too many times and whatever. But now, when I go back home, it's fully in awe of all the cool stuff that's changed, but really mega super comforted by being able to just park my car somewhere that I know, get out and have a wander about and remember like routes that I used to walk to school or that when we were teenagers or, you know, just remembering like mad stuff you got up to and having a little drink in a pub you used to go in and it's a good feeling, it's a peaceful feeling. There's different areas of Manchester that mean different things to me. I grew up in a place called Presswich when I was young. And I'm always drawn when I visit my mum, who now lives there again. I'm always drawn on a specific sort of walk route that takes in all my early childhood memories and, like, playing out when you're a kid and all that. And it's, 
it's like it tops up a little bit of you. If you know what I mean? Like we've got like, let's say you've got something going on in your life and it's a problem and it's dominating you. Or you're in a relationship that's pissing you off or there's someone in your life who's being shitty to you and you spend so much time in your head with that problem or that person that loads of bits of you, let's let's imagine that inside you are all the photo albums of all the bits of you and like you just lose touch with them. So one of the reasons it's good to sort of get about and maybe see a friend that you've not seen for years or someone that you were mates with when you were a teenager or whatever is it's like it it top it sort of brings those old yous back to back into play like but you know the photo albums are back back on the shelf and you remember bits of you you remember a fuller more sort of wanky word but holistic version of who you are and who you've always been even for better or worse like you know Whatever journey you've been on, it's like, oh, yeah. You know, like, bits of us remain who we were then, and there's nothing quite so great as spending some time with people that you've got really good memories of and really specific, formative experiences with, and you've not seen each other for ages, but then when you get together, it's all just there again. And obviously as we get older, this stuff carries more weight, but also as we get older and unfortunately like we lose people and all that kind of thing, or people go through rough things, I'm finding that the older I get, the more profound it is to go and do stuff like that because you never quite know when any of your stories are going to change or end, right? You know, without being grim about it. So, yeah, uh, I've really discovered an excitement around, you know, changing my location a bit. And I think that will only... Sorry, just moving my pad. I think that will only increase if I find a way to turn travelly podding and adventures into something where I, I can jump in a my little camping setup, my little van or whatever it is and have some of that, yeah, doing doing it that way and on a whim, just sort of bugger off and even the fact that you could like stop halfway and go, right, well I might go up there but that's a bit of a pain in the arse of a drive so I'm going to stop there first and have a pint there and visit that friend and and then move on again. It's just something very liberating about that idea. And I think lots of things in my life are now uh, strands that feel like they are slowly being teased into a, a, a cogent fucking direction. And there is nothing better after a period of chaos, confusion and depression than a sense of direction. I think I've used this phrase before. Because you don't have to like fix all your problems in one go, whatever you're going through. But what you can do without hardly anything needing to happen yet is you can make a decision on your direction of travel and then just crack on very tiny little, adding tiny little reasons why you are heading in the right direction. And as I'm now discovering, that then starts to sort of thicken up a bit or like those strands start to become sort of stronger and I'm going oh that was a fucking good decision because the direction of travel now is starting to be very assured so I thought I'd tell you that um, and that segues quite nicely into me trying to reassure you that even though I started the show Um, sharing with you, well, inadvertently sharing with you some of that strange, built-up, trapped breath, anxiety, physical anxiety symptom gear, is that the fact is I feel, I don't feel like I'm I've particularly much to be anxious at the moment. I've actually got more to be relieved about at the moment than I have done for ages. 
but my observation would be I have had some serious things that in a way that the like progress is made on some things that mean a lot to me but when you think if you spend a long time carrying the stress of certain situations and then things start to figure themselves out and go well you'll feel brilliant but also you might have to go through a, po- a period of your body letting go or needing to cope with letting go of that worry or that stress and I think <sighs> that's why I've got the the return of the tight chest thing with the occasional trap breath thing. I've had it loads before. I had it when, uh, when, when you know, in early parenting years, when when everyone goes through that and everyone's knackered, and there was a there's a sort of tiredness trigger for me that can make it come on. So maybe I've not been sleeping quite as well as I should but don't know about anyone out there but when I don't sleep well I can be a complete arsehole but lately I think I've been having slightly lush late nights but just not panicking because I don't feel panicky I'm not feeling like even like having a slightly shit night's sleep isn't doing me in because I'm excited about the day and I've got like more of a sense of purpose. But maybe my body is telling me, that's all, I know you're excited, but please don't forget to fucking rest properly, dickhead. And eat good food and all that. But the final point I want to make on the chest work, the chest um, struggles is that I was on a train coming out of London back to Hove after at the end of my Chiswick times and I was sat opposite this woman who smiled and looked really friendly when she sat down and I'm not saying this in a glib way but a tiny bit of me thought is she checking me out? And then uh because I'm feeling all good about myself, I was like, <laughs> of course she is. But there's no need to get involved because I am a, a whole person who doesn't need anybody. So you soak me in, babe. <laughs> Take it in. Soak me in? That doesn't sound right. Anyway, I was just like cracking on doing what I was doing. In fact, I was reading Viz, which was making me chuckle, which somewhere in my imagination made me think, She's probably going, oh my God, that guy is having such a laugh. I double fancy him. Didn't make a thing of it. Wasn't going to do anything about it. But a a little bit of me thought, yeah, this woman's noticed me and I keep noticing the energy that she's noticed me. And um, while this is happening, and I'm feeling good, I'm all right, but I've, a number of times, I've done a big... (sighs) chest moment and I've tapped myself a bit and whatever anyway the train finally gets to near Hove where I'm getting off and my headphones come out while I figure out my stuff and this lady goes hi she goes can I just ask are you a veteran I said excuse me she said are you a veteran like are you in the, the armed forces and I thought this is amazing. Maybe I should say yes. She wants me to be John Rambo. Of course I am. I can't tell you what happened out there. But, of course, I said, no, that's funny. Why do you think that? Like, I'm literally an absolute coward. There's no way that you would find me in a situation where I'm at any form of military risk unless we get invaded. And she laughed. And I realised that she didn't fancy me at all because then she said, um, I just noticed, she goes, I work with veterans with with uh, PTSD and anxiety and I noticed you were using some techniques there to sort of calm yourself down, like tapping and the way you were breathing. And I went, oh my God, right. Yeah, I thought that's what you were doing when you kept looking at me because 
you know, I'm not some sort of trained sex pest. So that's totally what I thought. And you, you're, you're absolutely right. But it was very, very sweet because she basically went, she put a rich, she had basically, she hadn't been looking at me like, hey, who's this guy? She was looking at me in the most lovely, kind, compassionate way through the eyes of the skill that she's developed through her professional life, looking after people who've been through fucking hell. And she just, she, you know, like when there's like a nice teacher who like looks after you when you're little, when you don't feel great or if you're having a shit day, there was just this mega kindness came off this woman. And she was just like, I said, actually, so just so you know, yeah, this is, I have been getting some like chesty um, anxiety, physical symptoms, but I just want you to know that I'm actually really happy and I'm all right at the moment. And I've got quite a lot of high mental health awareness and all that. And yeah, you know, that I re- it's very, very sweet of you to, to, actually ask me that like you know to be bold enough to ask me that so like awesome thank you very much little fist bump didn't want to shake hands or kiss her on the nose or anything like that but um i was chuckling to myself and was grinning it was really really lovely anyone being lovely like that holy fucking shit is that nice right but then as i get off the train i am like chuckling because i love catching myself out being a twat and me sitting there thinking, this babe just can't get enough of my <laughs> of my inability to breathe whilst reading Viz. But there it is. Humanity is the highest, you know, the highest energy, you know. Oh, God. Humanity is the highest form of um, interaction, you know, like that friendliness, that caring vibe. And and then, because this is sort of where I, what I want to sort of leave it on, but ironically, because I was I was getting ready to tell you this story, but then it happened again today. I was in Tesco's, buying all my vegetables for me healthy week, and I do a big weird. I, I basically when I when I can't get the breath in, I put my head. I look up like I'm looking up at the ceiling like this. <sighs> And then it's like this strange, strained breath comes out. And I did that. Again, not panicking, not worrying, just just a weird thing that's happening. And this dude who's like a bit younger than me, who looked quite cool and had a baseball cap on, he possibly even looked a little bit rough. Like I might have looked at him and thought, don't look him the wrong way. You know, he looked like he might... He might brazenly asked me for a cigarette and then tut if I haven't got one. You know those people? I thought he looked like that, but in fact he went, hey, you all right, bruv? And I went, actually, you know what I am? I've just got a little bit of chest whistles, chest, chest, um, I've not named these chest fucking things. Tennis ball chest syndrome. But I'm fine, man. But like, do you know what? I said, Thank you for asking. That's like really nice. That's made me day. And we both grinned at each other and there was a little shoulder pat. And I felt like, I actually felt emotional for about two minutes walking around the yogurt aisle. I just thought, fuck me, I needed that. So I did it again for attention. Just walked around going, (laughs) and got like loads of people giving me stuff. No, I didn't. But it was genuinely lovely, and I and I just thought it's that it's that it's the Burt Bacharach lyric, and it what the world needs now is love, 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 and um, there's no way that I'm going to be filling this space with uh, opinions and triggery kind of recountings of all the dreadful news that we've got on the TV and in the media at the moment. Uh, But what I will say is, I know that lots of people feel very strongly about all of it. And we're all, we live in an age where you can plug into that and you can broadcast that and you can shout and rant and share things and it's perfectly within your right 
to do that. But just consider for a moment for other people, for the collective stress of it all, and for yourself ultimately. Just consider like changing your energy to just low level kindness and sort of maybe try and remember to tune out of all that other stuff a bit. Even if you feel like you just need to know what's happening, I get it. But maybe just go, right, let's just have a quick glance at that at certain times and then get out there and, you know, reach something that someone can't reach off a shelf for them in a supermarket or check on them or lock eyes with someone who looks like they're having a shit time being homeless and chuck them a quid or um, pet someone's dog and ask them about it or whatever it is because I find it makes a massive difference to my day and it is after all the thing that uh, inspired me to come up with the offshoot bonus series Tea and Empathy which I will now very cleverly remind you I'm recording on Thursday and which I think I'll put out either on the weekend or early next week. Bear with me, I am almost hitting a rhythm. The recording diary is is alive and well and real with my new uh, routine. I think what I'm going to do is broadcast... Broadcast? I'm going to post... Patreon podcasts every Tuesday. Or like Tuesday night will be the time it drops. And then it'll be free in the wild from Wednesday morning-ish. Um, I want to try and get that right for you guys. I want to make it predictable, enjoyable, something you can look forward to and it gets delivered. I apologise for this one being, what, I don't know, nine days since the last one. I'm almost at least 80% confident that by Christmas you're going to be, you're going to be noticing with raised eyebrows that the, the machine is, that the, the Stupid Hearts Club content sausage machine is working overtime. Enjoy. So anyway, here we are. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, love, being nice, really matters. Be lovely. Be lovely. Go and find some lovely. Make yourself smile. And join me next week and the week after that and lots of other weeks here on the expanding universe that is Stupid Hearts Club. Hey, just before I go, I want to say, I'm going to probably have posted about this, but if anybody wants to be in Brighton and Hove on Thursday, the 9th of November, Stupid Hearts Club's first hosting of a music night is taking place in a tiny little bar called The Bee's Mouth, which is on, I don't know, Western Road. I hope I'm right about that. Freaking great little pub. Me, my friend Pete, my friend Holly, a brilliant soul singer called Frankie LG, or jazz and soul singer, and a brilliant female artist called Delphine who's ace and has got like lots of quirky little ways of presenting songs. Going to be putting it on. It's only tiny. There's only a maximum of 30 or 40 people. If for some reason you want to come to it, as one of my uh, long-time favourite Patreon dudes has already done, inbox me. Let me know if you want to come. If there's room, we'll sort it out. If not, don't worry about it, because I'm going to get some audio on the night, and that will become a Busking Chronicles bonus, extra, extra, bonus, bonus, bonus. End of extra thing that I said for end of episode. Goodbye. <laughs>
Remember, if you love the show in a deep and probably unhealthy way, you can help support it on an ongoing and stalky basis on patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club. Uh, your choice. See you soon, you internet weirdos. I- I'm, I'm one. <laughs>